After the Time Out podcast, hosted by Todd Zazadil and John Palicki, two high school head coaches talking basketball on the court, off the court, and anything in between. On today's episode of the After the Timeout podcast, we sit down with Coach Tyler Whitcomb, head boys basketball coach at Western Michigan Aviation Academy in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Coach Whitcomb also creates media for Championship Productions and his company, E3 Hoops Analytics. We talk to Coach Whitcomb about his unique and innovative offensive and defensive systems, key analytics to use when assessing your team's success, and what it's like coaching at an aviation and military academy. Enjoy the show. Coach, thank you for joining us. Um, and we, like I, you know, we've been talking about every coach. Um, we're, we're in a unique time. Uh, so tell us a little bit of how COVID has had an effect on your program, some of the things you've been doing to uh, work with your kids, um, not only as an AD, but as a basketball coach, um, and, and maybe what's been going on in Michigan, right, because it's different than a lot of other states. Yeah, so well, get, before we get started, I'd like to thank you, John, and, and thank you, Todd, for having me on. I'm, I'm very excited about being a guest on uh, this podcast. I've heard a lot of good things about your podcasts. I've listened to a couple of them and um, I love what you guys are doing. So, Thank but yeah, you. to, to, to dig to the COVID um, in the state of Michigan um, in the fall, um, you know, once fall sports were, were, you know, we were able to play again in the fall, we actually, you know, got clearance by the MHSA to start doing some open gyms and four-man workouts. And it was, you know, obviously everyone's in the same boat, but we were so far behind just due to us not being able to have summer ball, uh, be able to work with our kids this summer, other than, you know, the typical where we have to check their temperature, ask them a million questions, and we had to play outdoors. So it's kind of a different uh, scenario. And then once we finally got back into the gym, uh, we scheduled our uh, two um, open gyms that we do a week where we go an hour, um, of open gym and, and we have, you know, rules to it. We're not allowed to be in there. So we have a parent run it. And then we go up in the weight room and, you know, just during that time, then we scheduled some four man workouts and, you know, just the typical, and it felt great being back to normal. Um, and then of course the day before tryouts, girls already had their trials because they started a week before us. So they put their team together. And then the day before us, the, our governor shut everything down. Um, so, and, and with that being said, we couldn't do any kind of workouts. So some coaches were doing zoom meetings, but in our case, we didn't have our team selected and I didn't feel right talking to some kids, you know, not everyone. Cause you know, we have a lot of kids trying out. I want to get everyone the equal opportunity. So then what we started doing is just sending like workouts that they can do, um, you know, and hopefully that they're following them. And, you know, anytime there's a clinic or free clinic or anything popped up, we'd send it their way. But basically, um, and every coach is in the same boat in Michigan, but we're just behind. Um, this Saturday, the 16th, which is really, really weird, is we can start basketball again on Saturday. So, and then the Amazing. following Friday. Awesome. Yeah, and the following Friday, we play our first game. So usually, you know, typically up three wow. weeks prepare. Yeah, and we play actually one of the best teams in the state, Benton Harbor. Um, Wilson Chandler's gone there and a, and a couple other big time players 
you know, through the years. And so basically Saturday, we're going to do both of our JV tryouts and both of our varsity tryouts and, and select the team just on Saturday. And it's not like we haven't seen the kids play before, you know, I mean, we already have essentially who, you know, who should make the team, but you know, there's, you leave some room for a couple kids. Um, and then after that Sunday, we'll have a little bit of a shoot around kind of optional because it's Sunday and we have four days to get ready, you know? So there's a couple things that we're going to implement and change. And, and to be honest, we're just not going to, it's, um, we're just going to run a lot of what we ran last year and kind of install little bits and pieces of some new things that we wanted to try with this group. Cause it's a different group than last year. We lost a, quite a few seniors. So, um, yeah, so we're ready to go. I mean, COVID's just changed, uh, changed the way you prepared, uh, for this year, uh, for sure. But, you know, like I said, we're just happy to be back on the court. I'm sure kids are just, you know, loving that we can get back and play. And the funny thing is, is we're able to get 19 games in three weeks. So if you play that first Friday and Saturday and you play three games a week Whoa. for three weeks, you can get your 20 games in. But I wasn't able to fill that many. So I got 18. Um, and I'm excited about playing the 18 games. It's going to be a, like an NBA schedule. So it'll be tough. So getting into now in your season, and that's awesome because Illinois, we're nowhere near that. Um, let's kind of let's kind of talk about, you know, you have so many systems and plays and, and things that I, you know, you and I have talked about and, and you're really an innovative basketball mind, you know. So what is the process of evaluating what you can use or adapt to your style and your players? Like when you go through all the stuff um, that you get, you know, how do you decide what works best? Sure. And that, and that's a good question because there's things that I do on my team. And then there's also things that, again, I, I'd love to think of out of the box and try to create new ways of teaching the game and coming up with new ideas for different coaches. And that's kind of my niche that I love, you know, I love evaluating different programs and seeing different things and trying to implement what I can. And I'll guinea pig a little bit in the AU season with some of the, some of the unique stuff, but in my, on my team, you know, I've been a longtime assistant coach. You know, he came from Portsville Century, Coach Xavier Tillman, when he was there. And we just kind of came up with our own system. And the only thing we add to it is just things that fit that system. But going through how I evaluate is, you know, again, I'm a basketball junkie. So I'm watching, I mean, every, every single newsletter that comes out, I sign up for. Every single time there's a championship productions video, I'm watching it. Anytime there's... Um, I belong to probably 50 different websites. Anytime there's something I'm always looking on Twitter, looking on LinkedIn and just trying to find different sets, different ways people run things. And then if I like something is I have like a basketball, um, like a group that, you know, I run a lot of things by, I always send them stuff and get their opinion. And a lot of them are coaches in the area and they send me back what they think or how it could work or how they could stop it or if it wasn't for them. And then part of how I, would put it into my system is I always send it to my coaches, to my assistant coach, my JV coach. Is this something that we like? Um, then the next thing is, can it fit into the, our program, what we're already doing? Uh, does it fit the, the team that we have? Does it make sense? And if it all does, then it's coming up with a game plan of how are we going to implement it? When, you know, when does it make sense to implement this? And, and if it's something that we can't use for our team, um, then I just file it away. I file, I, I put it on my, I have a huge uh, database of plays and, and I actually filed them to interesting plays or interesting systems that I love and I'd like to explore. 
but at this time, you know, it's just something that, you know, our team couldn't use. Um, and a lot of times too, is I'll grab it and I'll throw it in the AU season, just quick throw it in, see if it works, see what I think of it. And uh, if I don't like it, I just trash it, you know, and, and we'll talk a little bit later about E3 hoops analytics, the other business that I, uh, business that I own, I'm vice president and part owner and we track everything. So one of our cool things that we do is customization of playbooks so when we're doing defensive playbook, I mean, we're finding out what works, why it works offensively, the same thing sets. So, you know, if I'm running a play 10 times and it's not working, then I'll scrap it. Otherwise, you know, maybe I didn't have the personnel for it. And if I can, you know, see that, um, then I'll put that aside as well. And then be able to have a nice database of plays I can always go back to. So let's kind of talk about, you know, you touched on your JV coach, you touched on your, you know, longtime assistant. You know, let's kind of talk about, you know, obviously you're innovative with your X's and O's, you know, do you do anything unique with your coaching staff or have any innovative or unique ideas with a coaching staff? Yeah, with, with the group I have is me and me and my assistant coaches have a really good understanding of, you know, on the bench, it's not typical, but a lot of times I'm so engaged in the game and doing the X's and O's is um, I actually let him make all my substitutions, you know, within reason. And, you know, we usually have a game plan going into the game and I'll have notes for him, you know, on the sideline of, you know, talking to me about, you know, remember this, remember that, you know, whether it be, you know, how they're defending screens, if they're switching them or if they're going over, you know, how they're guarding ball screens or they hedging, you know, and, and basically he'll look for little, little side things that he can come up with. And, and that way we can adapt to it during the game. Um, but something that unique that I talked about last year at a coaching clinic that I was a guest on is a way that I think the future of the game can be. And I know that sounds a little, um, uh, you know, a little cocky that I'm coming up to the future of the game. But something that I've always thought about is what if we were more like football teams and we had a special teams coach and his main emphasis every day was just special teams. So jump ball plays because they've come up with analytics that say if, if you win the jump ball, you have a, I know it's only 1% extra, but a 51% chance of winning the game. If you score the first basket, you have a 55% chance of winning the game. So it's like little things add up. And I think if you had a good jump ball play, a good defensive jump ball play, you worked on it, you know, just even, even winning the tips, um, how to position yourself, but those little things can add up and then if he's working on the blobs and you know getting the analytics behind it this this blob play worked you know as points per possession for each blob play or slob play and, and he was dove into just the special teams of it and that was his only thing he paid attention to I mean think of the advantage the head coach would have to be able to lean on him um, could we do it with a defensive coordinator so I mean some teams only believe in one defense but the switching Defensive teams that a lot of teams are going to where they're switching and they're making it uncomfortable for teams to get set and be able to run their plays. Could you have a defensive coordinator to where he's diving into that stuff and he's calling plays on the on the opposite side of the bench and then you're focused on the offense or vice versa? Could you have an offensive coordinator if you're the defensive minded guy, a guy that's, you know, maybe your defense is just one defense and then the offensive guy's calling a bunch of different sets, you know, then it might make sense to have an offensive coordinator. Could we dive in? like what football does and have a quarterback you know like a quarterback coach we have a point guard coach we have a ball handling coach a shooting coach and we were to give them 15 minute segments of practice how far could our teams grow I mean have we really tapped into any of this stuff you know and it's something that I've always felt if we were I mean could it change the game um we were talking the other day you know um 
the other thing about changing the game is, you know, you were to come up with, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> sorry. But, oh, if you had two teams, so let's say you had a JV team um, that came up and they were 18 and two, but you had a lot of returning players. Could you almost have two teams in one? Could you have seven players be your blue team on varsity and seven be your white team on varsity? And then they ran totally different things. So like you had one coach just teaching this team, you know, a, a bunch of zone traps, two, two ones, one, two, one ones. And, you know, it's just a different style with that group. And maybe you teach it the one, when they're freshmen, the coach teaches one way. And then when they're JV, they teach another way. And it's basically when they get to varsity of two teams. So you have one team that's zone trap and the other team comes in, they're running totally different man-to-man principles and they're, on the line, up the line, and they're really making it tough on you, and you're just subbing every three minutes and just throwing something totally different at them, different sets, and and basically you'd have two teams in one. And, I mean, there's just – again, there. I think the game's going to keep changing as it keeps progressing, and it's different ways to look at it. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think that is something both Todd and I have experience with, both as assistants and, and head coaches. And, and I think, <clears throat> you know, I do do something similar to that, even whether it's just specific skill breakdowns, like – I have just one rebounding coach and, and that is her focus is rebounding. And I think not only does it, does it make it more of an innovative idea, but it also helps you build that ownership within your coaching staff of, you know, they know this is their part of the game and, and it really allows them to take ownership in the team, in the system, in the, the ideas that you want to portray as the head coach. I, I think that's a great idea. Oh, thank you. And I agree with you. I mean, I never even thought about that about a rebounding coach. I mean, then they're diving into that and it's like they are owning it and they're, they're an expert in that field for your team. And I mean, think of that knowledge that your players can gain just by that. All right. So you talked about a little bit, you're kind of watching everything, right. Um, And, and college games and BA games and all that to add to your program. So, you know, this is always an interesting question because coaches are always looking for something. What teams are you watching right now? What's interesting you right now? Um, well, I'm kind of biased and I'm kind of a homer, but I'm a huge Michigan fan. So I'm loving what they're, Juwan Howard. But they're if you playing watch, some darn good defense right now, that's for sure. They are. They, they guard every action. I mean, they guard the ball screens as, as good as you can guard them. I mean, they're they're blitzing. Um, they're, they're helping. They're recovering. I mean, they're doing things that, at a high level, too. I mean, fast and tough and tenacious. And they're just fun to watch, you know, and they, they play so well together on offense. They move the ball and um, – you know, they're not running anything. They're, they're actually, I stole two of their horn sets that they run, but for the most part, I mean, they're running pretty basic stuff. They're just getting the ball in transition and swinging the ball from side to side, making, making reads and driving and kicking and kind of simple action. And then some of their sets are some great horn sets. If, uh, you know, and I think Jordan Sperber just came out the, from hoop vision, just came out the nice little breakdown on Michigan. And it's, it's nice to see, you know, cause I'm a huge Michigan fan and I love Juwan Howard. So, I mean, that's something that, you know, being biased and being a homer, that's kind of the team I'm watching. But teams that I watch and, you know, around the NCAA is I'm a big Furman coach right now. I love Bob Ritchie's stuff just because I watched a lot of his championship productions videos. Um, and two, a little background of me is I also, I create all the E3 hoops. My business also creates all the playbooks of all the videos from championship productions. So we're able, that's why we watch a lot of the videos. So we're able to get a lot of, we have access to almost every video. And um, so I've had a lot of fun and, and, and also it's, it's fun to 
learn different systems and what coaches are trying to do. Um, I've always been a huge Tony Bennett fan. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's not typically what I do, but I, but about 10 years ago, I was a huge pack line and a mover blocker guy. So when I watch him, um, I just love what he does. I'm a huge fan of him. Um, you know, Lavelle Moton from NC, what is it, Central? I'm loving what he's doing. Um, Ed Cooley has some great sets, especially because he's a flex guy. And, and, you know, the way the game keeps going up and down, now it's all fast pace and small ball. And I wonder if in 10 years if the game's going to go backwards and really look for teams that can execute in the quarter court again and slow it down and be able to, you know, high load or even going back to some kind of modified flex and be able to, um, you know, take away the dribble drive, um, base teams, you know, or it seems like right now everyone's ball screen continuity or dribble drive or, you know, a five out team. Um, and it's great for now. It's just the way the game's adapting, but I just wonder in like 10 years, if it's going to go back to that real strong, you know, eat some clock and really get the ball inside. So those are some of my favorite guys. All right. So let's go back and you kind of just mentioned it, it used to be a pack line guy. Yeah. We were all young and thought we knew what we were doing at one point, right? And we really didn't. So when you were, you know, you've seen all these systems, all these things. Go back to when you first started. What were some of the things that piqued your interest or you were trying to do when you were a young coach? So when I was young, uh, I, I got in, I was a junior college assistant right away under a Hall of Fame basketball coach. That he started off, he is a Western Michigan's head coach. He didn't last long. He got fired, but he got to coach against Magic Johnson. That's how old he is. Um, I don't mean to talk crap about him, but he's a little older. And then he took over a community college in that area, and he ended up getting six, 700 wins. I forgot what the exact total is. So during that time, I really picked his brain, and he was a huge flex guy, um, two-man motion stuff, a lot of the two-guard stuff that Michigan's running now. So I was able to pick his brain on that and learn a lot of basic fundamentals of, you know, at the time, sagging man-to-man defense. Um, And then as I progressed, I really fell in love with this offense way back in the day called the Deweyville Shuffle Offense. So I, like, studied it and studied it. And the funny thing is I never ran it once. Um, But I just remember having this notebook and just studying it and thinking, oh, man, this is – this will work just because of the different actions and all five guys play all five positions. And, you know, you're able to, you know, go from side to side. And then when you move it from side to side, you basically have a one-man action for a one-on-one on the side. So things I liked about it. But then as I progressed as a young coach, um, you know, I took over as a JV coach and a freshman coach and a girls coach and AU coach all over the West Michigan area. Um, And it was just like, whatever that coach was running, I was kind of running. So I learned different aspects of the game and things I liked and things I didn't like. And then I ended up at Granville under this coach that won a state title. And he was huge on pack line defense that Mike Heideman ran. So it was basically the pack line, but it was no middle. Um, it was dead front in the post. It was double in the post from the top. So it was a little bit different, but kind of the same concept. And I like the pack line, how you're always in the gap but it's only one action. So if they kick it out, you're already in help position. Then it's just one action to get out and guard the three point shot. So my first job, um, 
at coaching, I did a lot of zone because I was coaching girls and it just fit what I did. And we developed a system to where we were pressing and full court and we were turning teams over. We were creating about 38 turnovers a game. That's all we spent our time on is learning how to press. So I just didn't have basketball girls and it was able to, you know, buy us some wins. Um, and then when I got my first boys job, of course, I became a pack line guy. And what I didn't like about it is teams that weren't as good as us, we couldn't smash them because all they would do is we couldn't take the game away early. And sometimes teams that didn't have as much talent to hang with you just because they could get sides, they could reverse the ball, they could sit on the ball. And so what I kind of created, um, you know, at aviation now is we are a pack line team. I know it sounds funny, but we're in the gaps when the ball's up top. And in transition, we go paintball man. And then, you know, then we try to be in the gaps. But when the ball gets to a side, then we become a pressure on the line, up the line, man-to-man pressure team. We don't let the ball back. We kind of scout the opponent. Um, if it's their point guard oriented, we don't, we do not let them get the ball. We'll face guard it. And just, and we learn to play four on five every day at practice. We go four on five drill. Um, and then we're able to fire out of it where we trap and rotate and then we run different trapping zones. So it kind of evolved into that. Um, and, and that's kind of where we are now, but, and that's why whenever I see something I like, I'll implement it, but usually I go back to what I have. Um, and, you know, I was talking to John one time about the four one zone defense and it's so unique because you can blend it and you can camouflage your defense into other defenses. But also the one main thing is you're fortunate to the corners where you can trap. And I like to throw different things throughout the whole game. Um, we'll throw some token presses to slow teams down if we have to. But bottom line is, is, you know, it's like any coach. You start off learning something. And as you progress as a coach, you just find out what works, find out what doesn't, and, and move on. And that's kind of where I'm at now is on defenses. That's the system we run. So I, I just have a, a really unique question to you. So, you know, Todd and I both like to do our homework on, on everybody that we talk to on the podcast. And I thought it was so unique that you've been a head coach at an aviation academy and a military academy. So what are some things that you've learned in working at, you know, two different unique academy schools, um, you know, as a coach and working with those athletes? Yeah, so it's a little bit different, and it's funny because I got asked this question in the last uh, interview I had, and and the truth is, is Aviation Academy is a charter school in Grand Rapids. It's owned by Dick DeVosk, same guy that owns Orlando Magic, um, and basically it's just a charter school that he fell in love with aviation and uh, education, so when he lost as a governor, this is years back now, he decided to start a school, and we're a really unique school to where kids actually learn to fly. Um, you know, we have kids that are getting their pilot's license before their driver's license. So it's a very unique school and it's very uh, high academic. So just to give you a background this fall in cross country, our team GPA was over a four point uh, volleyball was like a 4.26. And then our soccer is a 3.86. So I think our overall GPA in all athletics was over a four point this fall. Um, a couple of years ago, we had a basketball team that's fourth in the state. It was like a 3.76 GPA. So it's, it's a different style of kids. I mean, I've coached different levels. Um, I've coached different schools, private schools, public or private schools, public schools. I've coached girls, I've coached boys. So it's just another learning curve of, you know, there's things 
there's goods and bads to all of it. And with this, it's, I get a good group of kids that are willing to come in and have manners and listen and work their butt off. So it's, it's really rewarding to coach this group. And I can't really talk about the military academy because I, I got hired uh, in Indiana and it was about a two hour drive and they gave me a place to stay. So basically my, my goal is to turn around this athletic program and be the basketball coach. And, um, you know, we got some pretty good players in there, but as the process was going on, um, there is, I just had to come back home. Uh, it wasn't working out because, you know, something the family wise, I had to come back home and I got offered my job back at aviation. So it was weird. I left aviation for about eight months and I was actually an athletic director for two schools while they were trying to find, find their athletic director. And then they just said, why don't you just come back? We can make it work for you. And then I ended up coming back to aviation. So I actually never coached a game, even though I worked with a lot of the kids and four-man workouts and, and tried to get the program really going. Um, but yeah, so it's just a unique and it's a different group. It's, it's kids that, you know, they're, it's kind of old school. I mean, they'll go through the wall for you. So it's really fun to coach that kind of, kind of kids. And, and two, it's, it's the funny thing is, is being an athletic director and, and coach, I've come from a different programs where, you know, you get some parents comment on playing time and at the school in the, the four years I've been here, this is going on my fifth year, we've had about 10 complaints in five years total. So it's just a unique, different group where kids, parents don't live through their kids or sending their kids there mainly for academics. And then, you know, playing basketball is just a, a side note. And, you know, we've had, we've been blessed with some, some pretty good talent and we're able to do really good against other charter schools. And, you know, and it's a little bit of a challenge when we play up and we, we play some of these public schools have been around for a long time or private schools that have been around for a long time. It can be a challenge, but the one thing I know with this group is they're always going to give everything they have and it's, it's rewarding. That's fun as a coach. All right. So you talked a lot about your, your E3 hoops analytics. Um, and there's so many analytics, right? Like there's so many numbers. So for yep. your program and what you're doing, what are your key analytics? And then, sure what do you think some of the more important ones are for maybe something that you don't necessarily use, but could be important for other teams? Sure. So, you know, again, just working with you, I I'm a huge basketball junkie. Like I, I tell everyone it's, I'm always trying to find a creative way to win or an innovative way that if it doesn't work for us, maybe for someone else. And I love creating exit notes, but analytics, I even probably like more. I mean, I'm one of those guys that I'm always trying to read up and, you know, my business partner, he's a, basketball analytics guy for the Dallas Mavericks so I'm always being able to run things by him and the funny thing is what started the business is about three years ago he was looking for teams to guinea pig and just do it for free and I was like well heck yeah you know and the first time I ever got a report is about 12 pages on all these analytics and I just thought it was kind of neat is that even though there's tons of information I asked him I said well I'm just trying to find what it gives me the advantage I don't need all these you know advanced metrics and right you know Right. You know, like what makes sense? Like, and he said, you know, what? he started laughing. He goes, you know, what? even at the Dallas Mavericks at the highest level is, you know, in the front office, they want all these different, you know, they're watching game. They're coming out with all these different ways to measure the game. And he goes, it's funny when you talk to Rick Carlisle, he just wants three things, you know, and it's, it's funny how we deep that, you know, we dive deep in all these analytics and bottom line is what intrigued me about E3 hoops and joining him is we're just trying to create an advantage for a coach. Like we want to be an analytics team 
for uh, for high schools that can't afford an analytics team and and work with the coach and find out what works for them. So when you ask me what works for our team is something that's unique for us is six zero runs. Um, we did a measure years back, and this is again taking this from my assistant coach, but. Um, you know, everyone always talks about stop or score, stop, score. And if you do four of them, well, the funny thing is, is we track six O runs in a game. And anytime we've gotten four in a game, we've won every game, but one. So it's like a 98% chance of winning. If you get four, six O runs in a game. Um, and then even if you're a plus three, so if you're three zero or, you know, whatever the case may be, um, it's still like an 88% chance you'll win. So, and the funny thing is what really, what I like about it is the bench is engaged in it. So if you're on a four zero run, they're acting like it's the last play of the game, you know, four zero run, four zero run. And they're yelling it. So our team knows we got to get one more stop. So we have a chance at a six zero run because it's that important. If, if we get four six zero runs in a game, there's a good chance we're going to win the game. Even a, a, a three six zero uh, runs in a game, leads to like a 77% chance of winning. So uh, that's a huge stat we track. Um, something that I love and what E3 does really good at is playbook customization. So I send my playbook in, now it's now I'm part of the company, but basically you take the playbook and you see it works. You know, you go throughout your whole playbook and defense and offense. Um, and basically what lineups are in, when you're running these plays, if it's after timeout. And, you're finding out what works. And that's bottom line is, you know, what, what works, what works after timeout, what, what works after a made basket, what makes after, what works after made three point basket, what can you get into defensively? So it's like different things that you can look at. Um, what's important to me is how you guard the three point shot. You know, how do you guard, you know, and transition the three point shot, you know, what, those are important things that will win games and translate to wins. So those are things that we're looking for. Um, a cool thing is, you know, everyone always talks about a coach comes in and we're a running team, you know, just because he looks and it looks like they have athletes. Well, sometimes you're not, you know, so I think a good way of measuring it is, is points per possession on ball reversals. So what are you doing on two, three ball reversals? What are you doing on, you know, number of passes? What are you doing, um, you know, on pace, you know, like if you're scoring in the first couple or you're getting a shot up in the first couple seconds next to the seven to 15 second mark I mean those are things that you can really measure as a coach to find out what will give you the best advantage to win games and that's something that I think every coach could take advantage of and if they really dove deep in they really wanted to find out what makes their team tick I mean these are little measurements that you can do and you could be a totally different team where you already know what you are you're not changing you're a pack line team and you know it could be you know how many times you stopped a team from scoring a transition and you made them scoring you five on five and you track that, you know, I don't know what it is, but uh, we worked with the team and they're so big on winning those first three steps in transition. So we started measuring um, check marks, checkpoints. So how fast can your two and three get to the deep corner? Uh, how five, how fast can your five beat the other five to the rim run? So he's beating that other five to the checkpoint. So we started measuring checkpoints and believe it or not, that, that helped him uh, create a way to really show his players uh, what it takes to play their style of ball and win. Um, but, but going back to my system, it's funny is six all runs is huge for us. So it's, it's, I know it's kind of different, but it's something that we always go by and, and kids really bought into it. And, and then, you know, the points per possession on ball reversals is big for me just because, um, you know, 
I'm one of those guys where if things aren't working, I don't, I can't run a quick hitter real quick. Then I'd like to get a couple sides and, and really make the defense play defense and see if they can grind out with us. So that's something that I can show my players, you know, like, look, if we do this and, and if it backfires on me, then of course I don't show them that. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah. You, on, yeah. It, but then your playbook's important. Like what's working, what's not and get rid of stuff, you know, and things are working, keep running it. That's, that's a perfect lead in coach. And, and it was funny, you know, you and I have talked off air a couple of times and, you know, we, you and I both, you know, like unique outside the box, innovative ideas, but I, you know, I'm sure like me, you've had times where you try something um, and it doesn't work. So, you know, have you tried something innovative? And then after you tried it and, and you saw your team do it and you said to yourself, wow, that didn't work out at all. You know, what do you learn from those situations? Um, a lot of times you learn. What's funny is, is I've tried, a, I've tried about everything. I've got to, I got to be honest with you over my years. And I'm one of those guys who I will try something that's crazy. And, um, you know, you just learn from it. If it doesn't work or if it looks horrible, you just say, you know, that was great. Or why didn't it work? And then you try it again and somehow it works. But there's been a time where I remember when I let, when I was at Trinity Christian, I was coaching the girls went to this coaching clinic and I was nuts about this zone offense, this two, three zone offense. And I was thinking, I was watching him play. He sent, you know, I asked the coach to send me videos of this offense and I really learned it. And then I drew it up for my team. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to get away from the traditional two, three zone offense. It's either, you, you know, you cross it where you're going short corner flashing or you run some on baseline. And I went to run this offense and I, we were horrible. I think we scored like seven points and the a half and I was embarrassed I'm like yeah. why didn't I came home and I realized like the size like it, of course it's going to work when you have six three girls and six four and I'm turning around I have in the post five seven and five six you know or five eight whatever it is and then I realized you know what I think I'm going to scratch this but I could see where it would work if I ever got a college program maybe that would work you know and and the first time I ever ran the four one zone defense is a guy didn't rotate quick enough and the only reason I ran it, I told you, is just because I loved when I was in a two-three, and I loved to come up and pressure the ball, and then take away the next pass, and or trap it on the first pass. So we threw in the four-one one time just by mistake, and I was like, "Wow, that's by putting that person back there, they have to go to the corner because you know typical defenses, you go odd front receiving or odd front receiving front. In this case, it was we're in a four-one, but they're still going an even front against it, and they're throwing it to the corner, so it's real easy to trap." But I remember the first time we ever ran it, um, the guy didn't rotate and they just got an easy layup out of it. And I was like, you know, what? I'm not going to run that ever again. And remember scrapping. And then I remember uh, watching the video that night and I was like, if he would have dropped, they would have turned it over. So then the next game we ran it about three or four times and we were four for four. We created two turnovers and then we rushed them into shots. And then it was one of those things where I just always kind of had it in the back pocket. I've always ran it but I've never dove deep into where, cause it doesn't, cause you know, I explained kind of our system, but I would always like to see a team just run it as their, their main defense and then have like different where they're just basically camouflaging different defense and just constantly throw different things at teams. Cause you know, I really believe in that defense, but, um, and then also there's a time where, I was reading um, this coach that camouflage a two, two, one, and he'd start off in a one, two, one, one. Then you just take the person that's up top and just sprint them back on the first trap. 
And so I tried it and for whatever reason, it didn't work. And they, we gave up a layup and I didn't try it again for about two years. And then one time I had this group and I wanted to switch something up during a game because we were a two, two, one team, like a token two, two, one, and we'd slow teams down. And one time we tried a one, two, one, one, and it worked. They called a timeout. We were back in the one, two, one, one. And I tried it again and it worked. So, I mean, it's just like anything it's, you know, trial and error. You find out what works, what doesn't. Um, there's no right way to play this game. I mean, you know that and there's, I failed at things that I think would work and succeeded at things that I didn't think would work that were a little gimmicky. So. You just talked about trying your things and, um, you know, being willing to try different things. We're obviously the after timeout podcast. We talk about one of our things is we talk about after timeout all the time. So what is something unique or innovative that you did after a timeout that maybe a coach from another team or somebody told you like, Oh man, I've never thought about that before. Um, a set that I love that we kept getting blitzed in the pick and roll one game and we were running a little bit higher than we normally do. Um, Cause we're, you know, we run a little bit of ball side or ball screen side continuity offense, European stuff. And um, one time we just decided to short roll the guy. And, we, you know, we do a little bit where we short roll, we hit him, and then he swings it and we play out of it. But basically on the flight of the ball, when the guy was short rolling, we had another guy pick and roll. So on the flight, right when he caught it, it turned into another pick and roll in the middle of the, the court. And it was so wide open. So it's a set that we use now. So we call it um, uh, a buttons roll. The only reason is it's an old nickname. And um, so basically, if you think about it, it's just a pick and roll and then on the flight of the ball to the short roller, you're automatically the guy that's farthest removes already into another pick and roll. So there's no one to tag the roller on it. And it's something that's unique. Um, I love different sets. Like I love when coaches run different sets or a coach tries to set you up. Uh, we were, we were playing this team. They kept running zoom action to where they come off of a down screen into a dribble handoff and they kept running. It wasn't working. We were pretty good at guarding it. And, I felt he was setting me up because he kept going to it to kind of stall us and to get sides. And then all of a sudden out of a timeout, um, he ran the zoom action and then he just went right, right back to the same side and set a flare screen. We didn't, I mean, we were just, we didn't know how to guard it. And it was, guys wide open and drained a three on us. So the funny unique things I stole the play from him and it worked in an AU game, but um, you know, I just love seeing different coaches run different things and what we can take. Um, you know, I'm a huge, uh, you know, fan of like Ryan Pannone. Um, he's a G League coach. He's always coming up with unique sets. Doug Novak, Chris Oliver, Jordan Sperber. You know, there's so many great minds out there. Pasco Mir, and you know, just just finding different stuff that works. But you know, I've had different coaches run different things at me, and I just loved it. So I'd go home, draw it up. You know, again, if we could use it, use it. Otherwise, filed away. But I thought something that was cool is the first time we ran the 4-1, we gave it up. But the next time we ran it, no one saw it coming. And, again, I told you we were 4 for 4 but we just um, really, really shocked this team. Um, I thought another cool thing is cherry picking. You know, I've, I've, we've got, I've got four videos coming out probably in the next month or two on championship productions. One of them is running a cherry picking system. One's a modified pack line defense with no middle and, and dead front the post and trap from the top. I got a UCLAP missile offense. It's basically a UCLA 
offense turned into a misdirection, um, a reversal pin down screen. That's really hard to guard. It's really cool action with some high, low action. And then, um, uh, what else was it? Oh, and then elevation, the offense that I created where it's based on, um, the elevator horns action. Um, and it's just side to side action and, and calls out of it, but it's 2.0. So just coming up with different stuff and being able to have the, the guts to do it. But the coolest thing ever is when you throw out a cherry picking system, you have a guy cherry picking and you get a quick steal or a, or a long rebound. Um, cause you're a lot of times you're sagging and you're dropping to the level of the ball. So you're giving up a, you know, possibly a three point shot, but the ball goes long and you already got a guy cherry picking. So you're getting pretty much a layup out of it. So, I mean, if you're measuring a game and if you can get a lot of easy baskets, that'll win games as well. So, um, so just coming up unique ideas, but also being able to um, understand that other coaches have great stuff and, and being able to study what they're doing and um, be able to use some of the stuff. But I've seen some crazy stuff. Um, but as far as innovative, um, you know, a lot of times coaches run kind of what you see on video. They might switch some stuff up during playoffs or in the beginning of the year, they'll catch you off guard. But for the most part, um, I don't I don't see too much innovative stuff run against us, but I'm also not in a huge league either. If that makes sense. So it, it was funny. You were talking about all the different things coaches do. So uh, Todd and I in our podcast, we always like to finish with a little bit of a fun top five. So you've obviously you've seen a lot of basketball. You watch a lot of basketball you know, because of E3 and because of championship reductions, you know, you create a lot of playbooks of a variety of different systems. And like you said, you know, everybody, there's different ways to be successful in basketball. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. It's what the coach is comfortable with and what you have the talent for. So in all the different playbooks and all the different things you watch, Todd and I are curious, give us your top five most interesting systems or innovative ideas that you've learned or seen. I think the lock left defense was kind of cool. Um, the guy, Dave Smart, out of uh, Canada that's won, I think, 14 national championships and uh, point guard college. There's a coach that runs it like Tyler Cohen. But basically, um, you are pushing everyone to the left on no matter what side of the court you are. Mm -hmm. And you are in on the high side shoulder, and it's just basically geared around making them go to their left hand. So I thought it was kind of unique, but there's, you know, a whole system to it. I thought Aaron Fern's tagging system um, where he's teaching you to pin guys in on offensive rebounds, and then you have a 50-50 chance of getting the ball, but also you're preventing them from transition. So you're just pinning them in so they can't leak out. Everyone's um, in charge of pinning that guy in. It's kind of unique. A lot of the European teams are starting to adapt to it. His video is really unique and really creative and innovative. I love that. Um, the one, 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 two Gilly defense, where it's basically one, 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 two defense. It's a different look, but also because of the, the look that you're showing, you have different angles to trap, um, offensively. I love Alicia Komicki. She's uh, Sierra Canyon where LeBron James son goes, but she's the women's coach or the girls coach. She's won four state titles in the last five years. She runs a whole Iverson offense. So everything is based off the Iverson set and cut. And, and I just love it. Um, I, you know, I, I create, I was fortunate enough to create a playbook for her and just looking and watching her videos. I'm, I was blown away at how easy, and it's just unique. No one knows how to guard that action because no one's seen a full offense. Like everyone runs 
an Iverson set. I even have a playbook where it's an ultimate Iverson set series, but this is a full offense just dedicated around different actions and how people guard the Iverson. Um, and it, it's unique. It's, it's creative and it's something that I love. And then plugging away, you know, um, Jordan Sperber did something on hoop vision a while back on the pistol offense and how unique Canisius, I believe, ran instead of setting the flare screen for the pistol they would set a ucla ball screen and it was a different action and you were able to reverse it a little bit quicker so i just like seeing different unique stuff or hybrid and like two offenses put together um and then again plugging my stuff is the ucla p missile offense is basically ucla i just thought it was hard because you know if the let's say the point guard throws it to side and comes off the ucla ball screen um that point guard's chasing or switching and then you quick reverse it to the other side and he's coming off of a pin down. It's just a lot of action that that guy has to guard. And if you switch it or cheat it, then you have a post-up opportunity. And then my elevation offense was unique at the time. And we've added so many um, calls, play calls to it. And it's just unique and it's different. And it's, again, not that I'm plugging away my stuff and thinking I'm the only innovative coach out there. There's so many innovative coaches. Even talking to you the other day, John, just, some you know some of your ideas on offense and then you know um, your system that you have on defense is just unique and it's just I love talking to coaches that have a different style and a different way of thinking of the game and um, you know always constantly trying to trying to find what what will make your team go you know the next time uh, the next year every year is different every team has a different um, different makeup of players and you know you go from year to year you don't want to switch up too much stuff but every year it's nice to tinker with what you have and and add a little bit to it so um again my top five is probably alicia kamiki's iverson offense i'd check it out the one 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 two gilly defense is kind of cool the lock left defense is nice and then the aaron fern tagging system if you guys haven't seen it it's, it's unique and it's a way to stop transition offense but also gives you a chance at winning the 50-50 balls and you're pinning that guy in. So if you're shooting a lot of threes, again, the ball is going long. And guess what? You can you can really capitalize and grab those rebounds. It was funny. As you were talking about all those, then you got me Googling on the side, all those different ideas. Um, but, Coach, we we really appreciate it. Uh, you know, you you have so many unique ideas and, and so many connections into the game. And, and, you know, I've enjoyed talking to you off the air. So, uh, you know, please, guys, please follow uh, Tyler Whitcomb, Coach Tyler Whitcomb on Twitter. Um, he's got some great ideas, uh, obviously, as the, the vice president of E3, uh, but also his work with Championship Productions. He, he's an innovative coach. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at T Whitcomb. Um, and and I, I can speak from first, uh, firsthand knowledge that he's willing to share the game, willing to talk the game with anybody. So, Coach, thanks again for joining us today. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you again, John and Todd. Hope you guys have a good one, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the After the Timeout podcast. For more information and upcoming episodes, Follow us on Twitter at After the Time Out or subscribe to our podcast for upcoming episodes. You can find all of our episodes on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Overcast, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts by searching After the Time Out. Thank you for listening.